This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? Hello everyone and welcome to Popcorn Culture with Lynn and Arvin. Um, It is summer blockbuster season and so it's all beginning. We are starting things off ahead of a very busy run of films with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is the fifth and final installment of Indiana Jones. It is directed by James Mangold. It is written by so many people, which is always a, a bit of a warning sign. And it stars Harrison Ford, but also younger Harrison Ford, but also just Harrison Ford. I mean, they say it's the final one. Um, I hope it is. And let's see. Yeah. 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 Um, This was such an interesting experience for me (laughs) because I have all sorts of mixed feelings towards the movie. Um, I thought chunks of it were actually good and it captured the vibe of the original Indiana Jones movies. And then chunks of it were just awful and confusing and weird, you know. But I loved being in the cinema for this movie. Um, There's just something about it. I I got myself cozy seats. Uh, It was a morning show. And something about John Williams' score and that old-timey adventure movie thing uh, created like a very nostalgic, cinematic feeling for me. Um, So much so that I didn't even care that it was two and a half hours. I was enjoying the vibe so much, just being in a dark cinema hall, watching this in in a packed cinema, that... I wanted that feeling to go on. It could have gone on for three and a half hours. I don't think I would have cared. So I think it's kind of telling that I walked out and then I go to a cinema pretty near my place. So I was walking home and my entire walk home, I was going dun, 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 and just humming it to myself nice. um, because it's just a great theme. And I think nostalgia is the key word. So I will say, and I don't think that anyone will disagree. It is too long. Two and a half hours for this film. The story is way too long. Um, There are action scenes and exposition scenes that are just so overstuffed and you can clearly recognise where someone needed to take a scalpel and just, you know, chop them up or or the lands of Christ, depending on, you know, your your cutting tool of choice. Um, So (laughs) there there are clear things that you could have cut. Um, But I think that, I'm just going to say that I clearly have no way to be neutral about Indiana Jones. It is too big a part of my childhood. It is too big a part of one of the building blocks of of my understanding of what movies are and can be that I just, I just, I will have no neutrality. I think that it was a very fun movie. No, I think that it was a fun enough movie and that the parts that weren't fun enough were sustained by such a pure rush of nostalgia that it was it was fine. I just wanted it to keep going. I agree. So I think the problem with these movies, right, um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and now Dial of Destiny is that they just have way too much money. Um, they just have a, a budget that's way too bloated. So it, it loses the 
the rugged practical effects quality that gave those old movies, like basically their whole visual language was that, right? Um, and when you see like an 80-year-old Harrison Ford jump around and, and fall and suddenly turn into like a rubbery cartoon thing, it looks nothing like the, the way he would just pratfall in the older movies or, or just slip and fall, you know? Like something is lost. There is this scene in the beginning of the movie and it's the first time we hear the iconic like Indiana Jones theme and Indy is running on the roof of a movie oh, thing, yeah. and it's going super fast, you know? And absolutely nothing about it looks real. Everything looks CGI. Everything looks cartoony and animated. So the music does nothing because it doesn't hit the same way it did in those old movies. It's just like a... Like, I'm not feeling it. I'm not seeing Indiana Jones. I don't feel like it's Indiana Jones. I hear the music, but I'm like, what am I looking at, actually? Like, none of this looks practical or real. Everything looks like it was made in a computer. I have a huge problem with the opening sequence, actually. And I think that um, the opening sequence... Mm. So typically in films, right, opening sequences are the moments that set the tone for the rest of the film. They they determine whether you feel like you want to be there. They determine whether it feels like you want to stay. Um, the opening sequence is really long. And um, to me... My advice is go in there and sit through it. Um, it's fun, it, it's it's whatever, but it is deeply distracting and it's probably among the worst bits of the film in terms of what they choose to do. And, and it's because they go back in time because for some reason, despite the fact that this is 1969, Indiana Jones is still fighting Nazis. He, he can't stop. And so because of that, they needed to find a way to, to work <laughs> in the Nazis into the story. Um, I I think it's okay if I don't give the summary, right? It's... Essentially, there's a mm. mythical clock or dial thing that um, Nazis want and that Indy wants to keep out of Nazis' hands. Um, through it all, there's also a family story threaded through and somebody from his past that he has to reckon with. So it's all pretty classic Indiana Jones stuff. But um, the opening sequence is not the movie's strong point. There is an immediate pleasure to be had in seeing at first, a younger Indiana Jones show up because, you know, he's dressed like he is in Raiders. It's There's a lot of stuff. Um, but the uncanny valley is so difficult to get through and I was beginning to worry that that was going to be the whole film. So I think we're almost there, right? Like the the people who, who do the VFX and who work on these sort of de-aging technology, de-aging of people's faces, it's so close, yes. but it's still so far in a way so when they i mean this is not a spoiler i think it's in in the trailer that when they reveal his face and it's it's young harrison ford it's young indiana jones as long as he isn't moving it's incredible you don't <laughs> know what speaking. you're looking at you're like oh my god <laughs> yeah or speaking oh my god the the lip syncing was so bad <laughs> like like a bad commercial that you'd see on tv and i was like what am i looking at um, so as long as it's not that that whatever 3D puppet this is, is not doing anything, it's fine. And you're like, whoa, this is incredible. But the moment the action scenes kick in and, and he starts moving around and the action gets faster and he's talking fast, you're like, this does not. There's something with the eyes and the mouth and, and something here looks off and it looks way too rubbery. The rubbery thing is huge, you know, because in the action sequences, it was really troubling. You you look like you're watching some sort of weird, mm. like cheapish video game thing moving around. And um, I don't want to belabor the point because I think the reason why we're talking about the opening scene is because it has the most uh, distracting technology. And if you can get over that, the rest of the film is actually in many ways a celebration of an older Indiana Jones and an older Harrison Ford. Um, one And, and the, I think movies or action movies 
have finally found a way to accurately acknowledge that Harrison Ford has aged. Um, you see him in... Like, he shows up in boxes. I think this is widely reported now. Like, the first time you see him, he's just in boxes and nothing else. And it's such a relief after the rubber doll Uncanny Valley, like, small crack open to let the demon in face at the start. Um, that when you see Harrison Ford as Harrison Ford, you just feel like, oh, okay, now we're in safe hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The moment it came back to quote-unquote current times and he's old, like we know what he looks like, I was like, okay, yes, you know, I can deal with this. Like I can deal with old Indiana Jones all day. I don't want to see weird-looking Indiana Jones at all, like anymore. Like please keep it to the beginning of the movie. Um, there is a version of this movie I think that really works. There's the the MacGuffin um, and it's a really interesting MacGuffin and it's the kind of thing that, that Indy would definitely come out of retirement for uh, Mads Mikkelsen was born to play an indie villain. <laughs> the guy looks like he stepped out of, of Raiders and just transported himself to this movie. He's so, so good. Um, I love, I loved our Fleabag and, and his Wombat. Um, I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And I think there is a plot point in the second half of the movie that that is really juicy and opens up a lot of big questions. And then the third act is just bizarre. <laughs> it just it goes to B grade movie levels of of trash nonsense, just pure nonsense, just a ridiculous sequence of events that that take place. And I'm just thinking, like, what what happened here? Like, who who decided that this was a good idea and this was the way to end this franchise? So um, I mentioned earlier that it was written. So James Mangold directed, right? But the number of writers, including Mangold, is one, two, three, four. So there are four separate people who kind of cobbled this thing together. And sometimes it really shows. I mean, I don't know who wrote what, but the the kind of distinction that happens from moment to moment and the, the exact moment that it decides to go firmly off the rails um, and take it to a place that is Crystal Skull-esque. So I, I will say that it doesn't involve the same beings as Crystal Skull, but that it has the same sort of like preposterous nature where you have to really go with it or just decide, oh, actually, I think I'm tapping out. Um, that moment in the film, I I did find myself just aghast because they they couldn't figure out the they couldn't figure out anything. They couldn't figure out the action sequences. They couldn't figure out the costuming. Um, they couldn't figure out placing characters in an action sequence where they needed to be in order for the story to culminate. So it's kind of funny because essentially what you're saying and what I think I agree with is that the opening and the ending are odd, and there's a lot of stuff in the middle that really works. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that really works. I also think that if they had made the third act, the second act, like if they had pulled this bizarre plot point out, this plot device in, in the second half of the movie, it would have made sense because then we would have had time to flesh it out and spend and, and, and spend more time with some characters and then we'd be able to understand what's, what's happening, right? The fact that they crammed all of that into less than 20 minutes of the movie and it's such a huge thing... I was like, but why? And then I'm like, but wait. And then the movie, then the movie just, it's done. Like the third act is, is just over. And I couldn't understand that decision because there, there was so much of the movie that worked. But I think even if they went that way, there's so much of Indiana Jones that is supernatural and fantasy and sci-fi. So those things are not new. But cramming all of that into a small portion of a very long movie is just bad pacing. La. I mean, 
this is the fifth movie of this franchise. There's no excuse for them to... There's no excuse. There's no excuse. So, we're talking today about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. We'd like to hear from you. Have you watched it yet? Do you plan to? Will you miss Indy? Uh, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Blues, folk, metal. BFM 89.9. You have met? My memory's a little fuzzy. Are you still a Nazi? Hello, everybody. You're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn and Arvin. And together we are reviewing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, uh, fifth and final installment in this franchise. So I will say... Um, I just wanted to pick up where you left off earlier about the um, the insane kind of plot point that the, the movie decided to go with. I think that actually that leads me to wanting to ask you a question. What do you think the movie is about? Oh, I have such a cynical answer. Money. Um, <laughs> money. Just just money and, and nothing else. Mm. Um, I don't know, actually. I thought the movie was going to be about... Uh, a proper send-off for one of pop culture's greatest heroes, right? Or I thought it's going to be a way to cap his story or, or to give closure. But it's none of those things. Like, most of the movie is just a basic Indiana Jones adventure, which I'm fine with. But it also doesn't warrant... It doesn't tell you enough to warrant the ending that, that it gives you when it finally closes. You know, there's there's not enough story there. They don't build on Indiana Jones enough during the two and a half hours to make you believe like, oh, okay, so this is this is the end that they were working towards. So I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. They could have just left it as a nothing, like just another adventure. Um, and I would have been completely okay with that. Yeah, because I was thinking about it quite a bit through the film because like you, I was wondering when the third act was going to come up because I was fine with everything in the middle with the the usual quest to try and get the item. But at the same time, this is not my first rodeo. And I understand that at some point, um, as in the words of Indy himself, he's going to get shot at, he's going to have to drink some blood, he's going to have to watch some faces melt. Like, this is just the style of, of an Indiana Jones movie. At some point, the, the plot has to culminate in this big set piece. And as we were wandering our way through caves and stuff, I, I did find myself thinking, wait, so... So... Where are we ending and when are we ending? How exactly is this going to work out? And then I tried to think, well, is this about, is this just a film about family? Uh, is this just a film about, mm. you know, loneliness or about a man out of time, which is something that they say explicitly, like all these different things. But they don't expand on it enough because, of course, at the same time, they've got to prioritize the adventure. So that's why I've been feeling this more and more lately, right? Um, especially with all actors coming back to their roles, their, their big roles. There's no value in leaving these IPs alone. Like, they'll squeeze them for, for every last drop and every last cent. Like, I get that. I'm old enough to understand that. But I think there's real beauty in letting them just retire on a high. Um, like, we've said this before on, on, like, many, many episodes. Like, good stories have good endings. And before Crystal Skull, the last shot we had of Indy was him riding off, like, literally riding off into the sunset on horseback. 
And that was a perfect ending. That was like, that, that's the last shot you get of this guy, of this hero. Um, and whenever you think of him, like, you know, like 20 years later, 35 years later, you think he's like off adventuring somewhere. He's getting some relics somewhere, looking for some lost artifacts. Something's happening to him, right? I know that's not realistic, but in fiction, it can be realistic. And I don't know, like the more I see of these like older actors come back to do these these sequels, quote unquote, I don't know if there's any actual beauty in these stories anymore. There's value in it for sure for the studio. It's going to make a lot of money or whatever money they put in. But I don't know. I don't know if these are poignant stories, to be honest. Like even as much as I love seeing Michael Keaton's Batman in the flesh, I don't know if I don't think that's a poignant story because the last shot I had of him before that movie was off in Gotham fighting crime. And and there's beauty in that ending more than giving me whatever The Flash gave me or, or you know, whatever now Indy 5 has given me. Yeah, um, no, I totally get it. I, I think that that's a, that's a really good point because I did actually like Last Crusade. Um, I know it not that many mm. people think that it's the best of the Indiana Jones, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It gave me everything that I needed from an Indiana Jones adventure. And um, we've talked about this in our throwbacks. Like, I know that the movies and he as a hero haven't necessarily aged well, but I have such a prevailing fondness for the character that I would really... I mean, from the time that I knew this movie was coming out, I had that that mix of, uh, oh no, not again, um, along with, well, I'm going to be there, so okay. <laughs> um, and I... I guess it is that exact push and pull, right, that studios want to take advantage of. Um, I will also say that this is the first Indiana Jones that I've seen in the cinema because Crystal Skull I just missed. And so, and the others I was too young. Oh. And, or not born, actually, yeah. So um, this is the first Indiana Jones that I managed to watch in the cinema. And I think that that was a huge contributor to that feeling of, you know what, you're not great, but I'll forgive you. Um, it's, it's that, it's Harrison Ford being as charming as he always is, um, as kind of charismatic and believable as he always is. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge is interesting because I did like her, um, but I only I only started liking her about 20 minutes into her performance. At the start, I, I, I wasn't sure what to make of her. I also wasn't sure. Mm. I was like, oh, is it going to go this way? And then I was like, oh, okay, okay, it's going to go this way. Um, you know what I'd really like to know? Um, since you said this is your first Indiana Jones in the cinema, this is my second after Crystal Skull. I'd like to know from people who saw the original movies and who grew up with those movies, if anyone's listening and you saw those movies in the cinema or you were a kid when those movies came out, right? What do you think of this movie? Because my cinema was full of people and couples in their 50s and 60s. Some of them were, were even older than that and they were there with their adult kids. Some of them middle-aged kids. And it was very charming to see. It was very, like really sweet. And I want to know if stories like this of an older Indiana Jones resonate or is it purely a nostalgia thing? Is it purely to hear John Williams score, to see Harrison Ford wear that fedora again, to crack that whip? Um, because I 100% I, I understand nostalgia. I get it. But I also want to know if the story works. Like seeing this part of Indiana Jones' life, like does that work or not? So the other thing is, right, if the original indie... This, this is a ridiculous question because, of course, you could argue that if the original indies weren't directed by Spielberg and therefore weren't as good, that we would never have gotten the franchise to begin with. But I bring this up only to say that I... As I was wondering, you know, we always talk about this, right? It's part of our reviews because people have, you know, in this economy, people need to make these decisions about whether or not they're going to watch a movie in the cinema. And I was thinking about whether or not I would recommend it. And um, and a part of me thought, you know what, if I don't hold National Treasure 
to these high standards. If like if people go to watch National Treasure in the cinema, and they do, it is a very popular franchise, um, then why wouldn't I say the same for Indiana Jones? Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, if anyone asks me, like, this week or next week, they're like, oh, what should I go watch in the cinema? I would say Indiana Jones, for sure. I would say pay for a ticket. Maybe not a premium ticket also, but it's just, it's fun watching a movie like this on the big screen. Um, a lot of the effects don't look that good. A lot of the green screen is very obvious. But there is just something overly cinematic about the way the the visuals and the aesthetic and seeing Harrison Ford, who is one of the last remaining movie stars, right, um, on the big screen, to John Williams. I'm going to keep bringing up John Williams' score because it's so beautiful. Just watching those things meld in a cinema space, I think that's enough. That's more than enough to justify a ticket. And I think that actually, if you're a fan of Indiana Jones, that this film will give you enough. Um, I think that if you're nostalgic at all, even the slightest bit for Indiana Jones, then this will be enough. That doesn't make it a good film, but... It is fun and it's worth going to the cinema for. Uh, We've been talking today about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, directed by James Mangold. Let us know if you've watched it yet or if you're planning to. You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.